Welcome to Mill Liberty, the voice of liberty for a new generation. Alright, Joe Walsh, Matt Kitty, John Sasso, welcome to Mill Liberty. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be back. Hey, Caleb, I mean this. It's great to be with you. Thank you for the invite. This week, we are going to be going over the myths and realities that surround monopolies. Teddy Roosevelt hated, hated small government. The gateway into space will help alleviate a lot of this problem. It was a fateful era we took 100 years ago with this kind of monopolization of banking and centralization of money and credit. Automation, streamlined productivity, and cost-effectiveness. There's two big government parties, and one of them is, is red and one of them is blue. We are creating a community of liberty lovers. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to this week's edition of the Mill Liberty Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you so much for joining us here on the program today. Today, we are going to do something that we haven't done in quite some time, Um, and I think that's fine to have these types of episodes every once in a while. Um, We're not going to necessarily go back to the way that we did things in the past. Uh, However, uh, these kind of episodes where today we're not going to have a guest. Uh, today we're just going to chat you and I, and I don't think I've, <laughs> I don't think I've done this since before the Fourth of July. Um, so you know, I've I've kind of been thinking, and I've kind of been left um, left in my own thoughts uh, a lot as of late, and it's it's somewhat refreshing because I haven't really had the opportunity to. Uh, do that uh, in quite some time. So I wanted to give this opportunity. Also, we we just uh, I've been insanely busy and I have not been able to get as many guests lined up um, as much as I had hoped for. We do have some guests uh, planned out for in the future. Uh, but that is to say that, you know, today and, and for this week and the purpose of this week, and you might have noticed the last week we didn't have an episode. Um, so we, we took a little break, but this week it's just going to be you and I, and I, I want to give you some of my, uh, thoughts on, a, a certain subject in particular, uh, with that being the 2020 election cycle. Now, if you recall, if you've been a longtime listener of this program, then you will remember the very first few episodes where it was almost constant, almost back-to-back, back back all the way in 2016. Now we're going on four years um, uh, into this program. And uh, all the way back in 2016, we had a lot of episodes centered around the themes that were being brought up uh, in that election cycle. And that was a very weird and very different election cycle. It was it was something that, you know, honestly, the Libertarian Party should have had a lot better uh, of an opportunity. Well, they did have a, a great opportunity. They should have capitalized on that opportunity 
a lot more. Um, and a lot of things that I hoped that certain people, especially throughout the Obama years, who had been railing against executive abuse of authority, who had been uh, railing against uh, socialism, who had been railing against all these different things, uh, they, they started turning and they started uh, changing their, their tune once the possibility of uh, Trump became a reality. Once once they had a real opportunity to take back the White House, then it became that they didn't care as much about uh, an oversized government. And this is always the case. Anytime any party gets into power, they are always the ones in favor of having the government be as big and expansive and as powerful as possible. Um, Whereas the, the opposition is usually talking about restraining that power to some degree. I think the, the best uh, case in, or the best uh, example of this, I should say, is recently where we see a lot of the House Democrats with a few consistent uh, Republicans uh, on the issue of war, trying to restrain Trump's war powers. Now, of course, they would have never never have done that during President Obama, and they likely will never do it under uh, the next president. Republicans tried to do the same thing. They actually, that was one of the things that, that Republicans, um, I, I don't know how many of you may remember this, but I remember it vehemently. Uh, that was something that Republicans actually tried to impeach President Obama over uh, with his unconstitutional uh, strikes and unconstitutional uh, actions that were taken in Libya. Now, that was something that I vehemently supported because you're getting at the root of the problem. You're getting at the root of what the issue is in the first place. The issue is not, you know, Trump saying some bad things. The issue isn't even um, with this recent impeachment uh, sh shebang. It was it was a lot of a lot of hot air. Um, some of the things that they actually did uh, impeach him on, I didn't necessarily disagree with, but I also think that this is, if you're going to impeach him on, on something, make it real and, and, and powerful. And, and, you know, you can look at uh, several of the things that he's done in the Middle East. Um, anytime war is, uh, anytime war is, is focused on, that's almost a sure bet that you can probably impeach the president over because the president regardless of who it is, constantly abuses executive authority. And that is something that has gone on for far too long, really ever since um, uh, it's been a constant theme ever since the, the Roosevelt administration, the first Roosevelt administration, the Teddy Roosevelt administration. And you could probably argue it went back even further to uh, the times of Lincoln. Granted, uh, I am somewhat notorious for, for saying that those were a little bit different. Uh, I, I give him a little bit more of a pass, not completely, but uh, more than some <laughs> some libertarians do. Um, but certainly Theodore Roosevelt, and then uh, preceding him, Woodrow Wilson, FDR, LBJ, all the way up to George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump. All of them vehemently abused their authority. And the thing that concerns me about this election cycle, whereas last election cycle, we had open and honest discussions. We had open and honest uh, debates, and that's sort of the benefit of having 
an open seat election where where you don't have an incumbent uh, running for re-election. That that that's those are truly my favorite election cycles because you can get people to admit things that they would otherwise never admit during uh, a a normal presidential year whenever the incumbent is running for re-election. Uh, in 2016, we had a wide open field on both sides. Uh, maybe a little bit less so in the Democratic side because Hillary was sort of anointed uh, the the nominee for, for that side. But we had a wide open field and we had a wide flowing discussion of ideas and we had a, a wide uh, debated uh, uh, election cycle. And I think that's great. We're not seeing that happen today. Uh, today we have discussions, well, yes, we do have discussions on socialism. Um uh, that is very prevalent in uh, thanks to Bernie Sanders' campaign. We have discussions on corruption, thanks and and abuse of executive authority, thanks in part to Michael Bloomberg's campaign, at least on the right and in some aspects on the left as well. But we're not having any serious topics. It's all going back and forth. Even even discussions on socialism is so disingenuous. Whenever you have People like Donald Trump say America will never be a socialist nation. That's his famous line. That and um, and uh, great nations don't fight endless wars. I think those are great things to say. I think those are fantastic quotes that I 100% agree with. But how can you possibly say that America will never be a socialist nation while simultaneously um, slapping tariffs left and right so much that you have to bail out farmers? I mean, Donald Trump has been treating farmers in a way that would make FDR blush. How can you possibly say America will never be a socialist nation when you're engaging in all sorts of socialist policies that Bernie Sanders would vehemently back and would absolutely support? You're just slapping a different coat of color on socialism at that point. At the end of the day, we... Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not very optimistic um, or excited about the outcome of this current presidential cycle I think the uh, I think the Republican Party obviously they have the incumbent so there's not going to be any sort of um, honest discussion about uh, about Donald Trump's record from from them there's not going to be any sort of honest discussion about um, the size and scope of government from them. Uh, it's all going to be just whatever Trump says. On the on the left, you have uh, very concerning things from Bernie Sanders, uh, and then on the other end of that, you have uh, people like Michael Bloomberg, who who's trying to buy his way into the campaign cycle, and that's not encouraging either. And then you have the Libertarian Party, who is just not showing up this year and it's really disappointing now i think i know who i'm going to vote for but it's not going to be something i libertarians are not going to have a good election year i mean i i think that should be pretty obvious at this point um you had a lot of people looking to the libertarian party back in 2016 as the alternative party they fumbled they dropped the ball 
and now people don't want to look at them. Now, internally, I, I am rather optimistic about the LP long term. I, I do think that there are some lessons that they have been learning, despite the fact that there's uh, some people and, and one in particular up at the top of the uh, of the leadership in the Libertarian Party that I'm not quite fond of. Uh, and and uh, and I, I think that there are still things that are, are changing and, and a lot of moving parts that uh, will be beneficial in the future. But this year is just not going to be their year. I think everyone should be looking at that clearly. It's I mean, look at if you look at the candidates, um, they're not household names. They're they're not people that really inspire the masses. There might be some good policy walks in there. I'm not saying that they're not intelligent people, people who can't carry their own weight, people who can't have uh, an open and honest debate with Donald Trump and whoever else is the Democratic nominee. Um, I, I certainly think that there are plenty of candidates who can do that. But the fact of the matter is, is that the, the Libertarian Party needs someone like a Justin Amash to be able to take them at least for a presidential election cycle, um, they they need uh, someone like Justin Amash to take them to the heights that they want to get to uh, for the presidential election. Now, to get to that point, they have to start to focus on the grassroots and on the uh, on on the local level as much as possible in order to start winning elections on the presidential scale. I'm sorry, but if with Nick Sarwak said that uh, is is constantly trying to make the 2016 presidential campaign look like it was some sort of a win when that is just the furthest thing from the truth. I mean, yes, you might have gotten uh, more uh, more votes than any other um, any other election cycle in history, but that's not because of you. That's because you put up the the Republicans and the Democrats put up the two worst candidates that you could possibly have gotten, and you still didn't get more than five percent of the vote. That's a problem. Now, I don't want to bash the LP personally. I'm not a party guy, but I I, I still think the LP gets too much flack. When I'm speaking on this show, I, I'm usually speaking to libertarians, so I, I feel like there's some mutual frustration there that I can sort of vent out and air out to you all. Um, but uh, when I'm speaking on this show, I, I do want to clarify that I like the LP. I think that the people who complain about the LP outside of the libertarian uh, outside of libertarianism as well as some inside the libertarian uh libertarianism, libertarian community, the liberty movement, I think they're being disingenuous in their criticisms uh, because they always point to the naked, uh, the naked guy dancing on the stage or just some sort of policy point that they don't like and using that as proof that the Libertarian Party isn't a serious party, which I do not like. I do not agree with that position because first of all, there's crazies in every party. Second of all, there's there's always going to be uh, policy points that you don't like out of out of certain particular parties. Look at the Republican Party with Iraq or with gay marriage or you know fill in the blank. Look at the Democratic Party with socialism. 
there, there's so much that you can point to that if any of your concerns with the Libertarian Party, there are just as many concerns over with the two main parties. The issue is not, and this is the biggest reason why they, they fail so many times, the LP fails so many times, part of it, yes, is their internal strategy. Part of it, yes, is uh, they, they don't have a clear, concise message or mission. Those two things will take the Libertarian Party very far once they, uh, once they finalize on it, once they come to a conclusion on where they want to go from there. However, it's not going to get them to win elections because the two main parties have been conspiring against third parties for decades. They have done everything possible to make sure uh, third parties do not have a voice on other than just a presence on the ballot. They do everything to either, and even that sometimes is not the case. They do everything to make sure that it is as difficult as possible for libertarians to get uh, on debate stages, for libertarians to get on the ballot, for libertarians, uh, and, and third parties in general, mind you, but uh, obviously the Libertarian Party is the biggest third party in America, um, so so I'm, I'm sort of using them as, as sort of an example for all third parties in this discussion, but the issue is not entirely the Libertarian Party. The Libertarian Party could take themselves as seriously as you want them to be taken, or as you want them to take themselves, I should say, and yet it would not matter one bit in the long run because of how much the two major parties have ensured that any third party that steps up is not going to get far. Any third party that steps up, and this is the problem uh, with uh, incumbents uh, and, and, and challengers within their own parties, let alone third parties. The powers that be don't want new voices. It doesn't matter if it's Republican. It doesn't matter if it's Democrat. The one thing that they hate more than each other is a fresh voice that they don't know how to control. That is what needs to be addressed first and foremost. And for everyone who constantly uh, bags on the Libertarian Party or third parties in general, once you start to focus on that, then I'll take your uh, concerns and criticisms more seriously. But until you start to make it an equal and level playing field, it's just noise to me. I don't take your criticism seriously unless you're willing to put up uh, the fight, whether it be um, making the arguments uh, for, for, uh, for, for the masses, uh, whether it be going out and actually trying to get access for, for more third parties to, to have uh, an ability and equal opportunity uh, at a chance of winning an election. I'm sorry, but just slapping your name, uh, having your name slapped on a ballot is not... A, a fair a fair system there are so many things that go into a campaign that is uh, that can make or break uh, someone's electability um, that uh, that the libertarians or any third party will never have an opportunity that is quite as um, that is quite as promising as one of the two main parties until something with that changes now 
I don't want to be doom and gloom on this episode. I I just wanted to um I just wanted to give to give you some of my unfiltered thoughts on where we are with this presidential election cycle. Um, and here are some things, as I always like to do. Uh, I I want to not just complain, but give some solutions or at least some uh, some sort of a pathway forward uh, after this. I think we need to counter losses with this presidential election cycle, regardless of the outcome. At least on the macro scale, at least on the on the highest uh, part. This election cycle is just not going to be a good year for anyone who cares about the ideas of liberty. Um, and I think we need to accept that, at least, again, on the, on the top level. What we can focus on moving forward into the future. Going back to what I just said, trying to get more voices on the stage, trying to have more voices as a presence. Uh, in moving into future election cycles, starting to focus more thoroughly on the issues rather than the personalities. I think there is, you know, there's people who just absolutely love Trump and absolutely abhor him on both sides. You know, we had um, there. I It really depresses me to see uh, some of the things that uh, Joe Walsh has been saying uh, over the past few weeks and and months, um, saying now that he is willing to vote for a socialist over Donald Trump, I think that's just a ridiculous statement. That can't be our mo. That can't be what is driving us. Just being anti-Trump. What has to drive us is the ideas of liberty. What has to drive us is what are our principles? Free markets. Peace and prosperity, tolerance, voluntary transactions, those things are things that everyone can get behind, or at least most people. That has to be where we focus on. And regardless, and this is something that we should be good at, but for some reason we aren't as good at it, we should be fo- we should be uh, looking at our situation that we have it while still working towards making it better. Look at the situation that we have and trying to work within that. I think it's a false choice to say that you have to either sacrifice all of your principles or you have to be a purist and get something, get absolutely nothing done. That is not the case. Your choice. This is your, your, your third option, if you will, is that you can focus on the things that, that keep you a, a pure libertarian, so to speak, while still trying to work within the system that you have. It's not all or nothing. The best example that I can provide to you of this is probably going to be the First Step Act. That is a massive win for criminal justice reform. Every Something that everyone, libertarian, Republican, Democrat, should be applauding. Now, it's not the end. There's so much more criminal justice reform that needs to happen. But it's something that we can take as a win. Stop focusing on the personalities. And this is something that libertarians... Uh, fail at just as much as the Republicans and just as much as the Democrats. Maybe not just as much. I think we're a little bit better than they are. But at the same time, I think we can kind of get carried away sometimes as well. Uh, 
let's start to look beyond this election cycle. This isn't about any one election cycle. This has to be about, are we going to continue to build our movement or not? Focus on local races, focus on local issues. If you're someone who uh, loves to focus on campaign stuff, if you're not, focus on the culture. Focus on trying to change hearts and minds in, in, in ways that you hadn't considered uh, before. Beating someone over the head with a Ludwig von Mises book is not going to do that. You have to communicate to people in a way that where they are, not where you would like them to be that has to be our message and that has to be our mission and i'm speaking not only to the libertarian party i'm speaking to the entire liberty movement when i say this that has to be our message and our mission those two things we have to start to uh, to put more of a focus back into ever since the ron paul movement uh, happened. I think we have been scurrying around looking for a figurehead when we don't need one. The great thing about libertarianism is, is that our movement itself is, is spontaneous order. Now, yes, Ron Paul did a great thing by bringing all these things to light in a way that, that nobody before him had ever done. And we should be eternally grateful for that. But I also think that we should not uh, be putting all of our eggs into one basket, into one person moving forward. Moving forward, we have to find new and different ways to talk to different people because it's not all going to be the same. Now, fortunately for Ron Paul, he was, he was able to sort of blend that messaging in such a way that it, it really appealed to so many different types of people. Uh, Republicans, Democrats, um, you know, all across the political spectrum. You don't have to do that. You just need to do that with the people that you associate with. You just need to do that with the people who you're most comfortable talking to and bring that home, uh, make that uh, a, a reality for them. That is what needs to happen moving forward looking past 2020, looking past this election cycle, looking past probably the next one too. If this movement is going to be sustainable, if this movement is going to last uh, for years to come, mind you that it's only been a little bit over 10 years since the Ron Paul movement began. We have a long way to go. Now, I don't think that we're losing. I just think we need to refocus. And that needs to be our mission. There's a lot of great organizations who are doing uh, just that. Uh, Young Americans for Liberty is one organization uh, that's doing that. Free the People uh, with Kibbe's group uh, that is also doing that. Of course, the Liberty Initiative is trying to do that as well. We need to focus on ways that will reach out to new people, on ways that will bring new people into this movement, not ways that's going to preach at them, but ways that will bring them in. That's what it's about. All right, that is going to be our episode for this week. Um, sorry if I seemed a little bit pessimistic at first, but that is really not the case. I am very optimistic. I'm just never really optimistic about election cycles. 
Um, but, uh, you know, because obviously the, the personalities inevitably went out. Uh, but that's that's okay. We, we don't have to put all of our eggs into one election basket. We need to focus and diversify um, our our portfolio, if you will, our uh, our liberty portfolio, and trying to get more uh, more people in in different ways. Everyone comes to the liberty movement on their own, in their own unique way. It's not a one size fits all thing, and we shouldn't look at it that way. So, with that being said, uh, I do have a couple of announcements. Um, one in particular on Monday. I want you to look out and and keep a lookout for a special announcement that the Liberty Initiative will be um, releasing, because we our next big project will be unveiled on Monday, um, and then it throughout that week as well will be uh, the full the full project will uh, will come to light as well, uh, but at least the first step of that will be announced on Monday. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Look at look at it uh, on uh, Facebook as well as Twitter. We're going to be posting it on social media. Um, so keep an eye out for that. I am personally incredibly excited to re- to release this and to unveil this to you. Uh, this is something that we've worked very hard on, and I think it's going to be so much fun uh, whenever whenever it uh, it is released. So keep an eye out for that. Monday, that is March uh, 2nd, I believe. Monday, March 2nd, and then throughout the week next week, uh, we, we have some big things coming out your way. Um, and with that being said, we're going to be back next week. I should have a guest back on next week, um, but uh, I'll keep you posted on that. There's one in particular that I keep trying to bring on, but uh, the scheduling just hasn't actually two in particular that I keep trying to bring on. Scheduling hasn't quite aligned uh, appropriately yet, but we're going to keep trying on that. And um, yeah, so just be sure to follow me on Twitter at Caleb France. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Mill Liberty and uh, follow the organization on Twitter, especially if you are interested in, uh, in looking out for our next big project. Um, on Twitter at org, please subscribe to us on iTunes. That's going to be the most important thing that you can do to help promote the show and help this show grow. Obviously, you can share it as well if you don't mind on your social media, but definitely, definitely subscribe to us. Um, and then if you really love what we're doing, please be sure to check us out on Patreon. There's some things I'm a little bit backlogged. I've, like I've said, I've been so busy over the past uh, month and a half. Um, I have three or four things that I've, I've, I'm juggling right now in my life that I, I'm trying to, to balance. Um, so please be patient with me on that. I, I'm trying to get all the Patreon stuff back up as well. There should be a new Mill Liberty Unregulated tomorrow um, for the month of February. So we have a lot to go over there. And, uh, and then until next week... We'll see you.